Hey church, my name is Derek Crawford and I'm one of the pastors here at Zion. And I'm so, it's my pleasure to be worshiping with you guys today, both in person and online. Uh, for those of you who are new or maybe this is your first time, welcome. It is so awesome to, to have you guys here and have you listening. And so we, I just want to personally welcome you guys. Okay, so we are at our final, uh, the final last stop of the Beatitudes. And personally, I feel like Jesus saved the best for last. Uh, I think it's going to be challenging. It's a topic that is going to be very hard, but really it's, it's, it's very interesting how he ended the, these Beatitudes and it kind of brings everything full circle. And so for a very quick recap, the first three Beatitudes were all about what God is doing in you. And then the next four were all about what God's doing through you to the world. And then this final one, the one we're going to talk about today is what God or what the world is doing back to you. It's, a, it's almost like a reaction. It's what happens to you from others in the world. And it's so important. It's so critical to, to understand that notion. And so here it is, Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so just so you know, this verse ties with uh, verses 11 and 12 as well. So 10 through 12 is all basically the same beatitude. It's the same it's the same topic that they're talking about. So I'm going to discuss 11 and 12 a little bit later in this message. Uh, so for right now, we're just going to focus on verse 10. Okay, so for this sermon, I want to, I want to talk about three major things. And I, if we can get those three accomplished, we'll be doing really well. Uh, so the first one is we're going, to talk, we're going to define persecution. We're going to talk about what it is and what it's not. The second thing is I want to explore the meaning of persecution because of righteousness, that because of righteousness is very important. And then the final thing I want to talk about is that the phrase, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so last week, Pastor Jason provided a very detailed recap of uh, the Beatitudes. I thought he went into a, a really great, uh, like basically recap of what, what happened and how they play in together and how they all work. And I think that's really interesting because it seems like this beatitude is a culmination of everything that, became, that came before it. That if you live out the previous beatitudes, then this final one becomes almost inevitable. If you are persecuted for living like Jesus, you'll be blessed. And if you're, uh, and I, I don't know, I just think that's, that's very interesting. And I think it plays well into this idea of directly following Blessed are the peacemakers. So that's what we did last week, and I think this follows it very well. Uh, that this is going to happen to you because you are a peacemaker. Per persecution will happen because of that peacemaking that we talked about last week. And so my favorite quote from Jason last week was, Peacemaking is done through the hard and often dangerous work of relationship. And so that's kind of what I want to expand upon today is that reality of how dangerous this can be. Persecution is challenging. It is, uh, it's really hard to come to terms with, but I, I also want to know, I want you to know that hope comes from this, that there is blessing attached to this beatitude, just like the ones that came before it. And so it's interesting to note that Jesus begins and ends the beatitudes with the same promise. So the first beatitude declares that blessed are the poor in spirit, and then he promises that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so that same promise is mirrored in this one as well. It starts with the kingdom of heaven and it ends with the kingdom as well. And so this kind of uh, parallelism is a commonly used technique within biblical literature. 
And so parallelism is basically means that the author is intending to bookend this particular uh, portion of text. Uh, and it means that, uh, it also means that this final beatitude uh, is trying to bring this topic to a close. And so starting with the kingdom of heaven and then ending with the kingdom of heaven is bookmarking this section. And it's showing that this is, is coming to a close. And what this does is this repeated text, this, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you see repeated text in scripture, you should, one thing should pop out real quick. This is probably important. It's repeated for a reason. And so with this one, I think it jumps off the page that uh, if, why wouldn't, why wouldn't have Jesus just came up with a new one if he wanted it? No, he was, it was very particular. It was very specific that this is how this came to a close. And so what it's doing is Jesus is establishing his kingdom and, and he's saying that it's going to look very different from the world around. He's saying that everything that falls between uh, these two sections, everything that falls between for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, plays a significant role in what this kingdom is going to look like. And so most of the book of Matthew, Jesus is revealing what his kingdom is going to look like, uh, both while on earth and what it's going to look like in the future. And so what this kind of makes me think of is, as the youth pastor, if I, if I wanted to uh, start a new vision, and I wanted to express that vision to the congregation or to my students, here's what I would do. I would say, here are the steps that we need to do today in order to make that vision a reality. But then I would also explain to you, here's what it will look like when that vision is finally revealed. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here uh, with when he talks about his kingdom. He's showing us this is what it takes here in the now, but also here's what the, here's what the kingdom of heaven looked like when I finally return, when I come again. And the only difference here, though, is that Jesus is not talking about vision. He's talking about a reality. Jesus is describing what his kingdom actually looks like. And so his promises are the membership into this kingdom. And so there's a fullness attached to each of these blessings. And there's also this sense of belonging to the king, which kind of brings us back to this week's beatitude. And it's, it's kind of strange because this one has a very negative feel to it. I don't think anyone hears the word persecution and thinks, sign me up. It's, it's not necessarily a fun thing, but there are blessings attached to it. And I think that's, that's an important thing to remember. Uh, but what's also important about this one is that we need to pay close attention to it uh, because this is one of those, this beatitude is probably the easiest one to mess up or even to misuse. Uh, the meaning is often misconstrued into selfish understanding, which takes away the fullness that is offered. It's almost like what's done to it is this verse becomes cheapened if we don't understand its full meaning and we kind of make it fit what we want it to be. And then the beatitude becomes almost unrecognizable. And so that's hard to recover from. And so we have to approach this verse with a little bit of caution uh, because it plays such an integral role in the whole teaching of the New Testament. And so before we can truly understand this verse, it's helpful to understand some of the terminology because what I feel as persecution, what, what, I, what I think that word means and what I've experienced that word is going to mean differently to me than it will for you. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. It's going to taste different. I don't know about taste, but it will seem very different depending on who you are. Uh, our race, our social class, gender, sexual orientation, our background, our age, and even our denomination. 
All of these will influence the way we view and understand persecution. Uh, because of our own experience, it's going to, our own experience is going to impact the way we, we understand and to what degree we feel persecuted. And so here's the thing, if our, if our response, if we respond to persecution, it might have a, a stronger impact on us. So let's say you're being persecuted and you start to show mercy or humility to the person persecuting you, okay? That's gonna, probably going to lead to more pain. It's probably going to hurt even more. Uh, so anytime we push back against persecution or we try to treat it with love or humility, it might have an effect on us. And when that happens, it changes the way we view the term or the way we view persecution as a whole. And so it's impossible for, me, for us to compare our different experiences adequately. And so that's why I think it's critical to, to define this term. But I don't want you to get rid of your preconceived notions. I want you to take, take your own idea of persecution, hold on to it, and use it as a comparison as we continue through this topic. Because that defined you, that, that helped make who you were or are, and I don't want you to drop that. I mean, uh, Jesus made you this way for a reason. Now let's apply, that to, let's apply that to what we're learning about this beatitude and see how it kind of relates. Okay, so here we go. I want to talk about what persecution is not, okay? And so as I hinted before, it would be very easy to mess up this beatitude. It would be very easy to read it something like this. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Stop. This is probably how your brain is going to remember it. Uh, we don't always remember the whole thing, uh, and so you're probably just going to remember the, part, the first part, and that's blessed are those who are persecuted. The problem is, is that persecution alone does not necessarily equal blessed. This beatitude is not relevant for all forms of persecution. The beatitude adds an important stipulation. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. That because of righteousness portion is sometimes what gets dropped uh, or what gets misunderstood. The difference between being persecuted and being persecuted because of righteousness is a very important distinction. And so now I'm going to go through a list of uh, ways that this, what persecution is not. So I want to be very clear on that. This is what persecution is not, okay? So this verse is not saying that blessed are those who are persecuted because they are argumentative. Just because something, someone disagrees with you does not necessarily mean you're being persecuted in the way this verse is talking about. And so this is a hard one for many of us, and I'm sure we've all witnessed this type of uh, behavior. And I see it a lot in like religious arguments or religious conversations or disagreements. Often these types of disagreements just leave the other party feeling insulted. I think a lot of negative uh, church politics get elevated because of this line of thinking. And here's the thing, this isn't, this isn't the gospel. That's not how we're, how we're told to engage with people. That's not how we're supposed to interact. We're not just supposed to be difficult and argumentative just for that sake. And that's why I think it's so important to have healthy Christian fellowship. That's why we're doing this, what we're doing here uh, in a church service on Sunday with all of our kids and youth programming and all of our small groups and all the stuff that we do and all the stuff online. We have to have this fellowship. Because we need to be able to bring these disagreements to fellow believers who can help us uh, see if, they're, if we're on the right track. To kind of hold us accountable and make sure that uh, we are taking our selfish responses and actions out of the discussion. It holds us accountable to scripture. That's why fellowship is so important. That's why it's so important to, to walk with people in life. 
Okay, so this verse also does not mean blessed are those who are persecuted because they're being difficult. Being a jerk or being just plain offensive can lead to persecution. If you're a jerk to somebody, they're going to push back. They're going to persecute you. But here's the thing. You're, I can't just go up to somebody, be obnoxious to them, and then when they respond negative to, to me, I can't just say, oh, well, I'm blessed because they, res they responded negatively to me. No, you were being a jerk. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. That's not what this means. And so uh, this verse is not a free pass to just be rude or mean to somebody. Being a jerk for Jesus is not okay. And now there's a fine line here that has to be mentioned. There's a difference between being offensive because of our natural personality or our natural temperament and causing offense to others because we are righteous. Our basic underlying personality might be challenging. Some of us are just more gruff than others. Uh, but that doesn't, that's not what the promise is being said to the, in this beatitude. Being righteous will cause people to be offended all on its own without our personality being a part of it. And that will lead to persecution. But this is a lot different than just offending someone because you're a grumpy person. And so it just, we just need to be clear on that, that those are two very different things. Okay, so this verse also does not mean, blessed are those who are persecuted because they are unwise or foolish. Sometimes we bring persecution on ourselves due to our own foolishness. We can bring endless suffering upon ourselves. We can create difficulties for ourselves that are uh, quite unnecessary. We didn't need to do that. But we have this, some, this rather foolish notion of what witnessing and testifying looks like. Or because in the spirit of self-righteousness, which is basically like our own selfishness, we kind of call it down upon ourselves. We want to make ourselves the victim. We want to make ourselves martyrs for God. And I don't think that's what this verse is necessarily saying. And so following Christ comes with this responsibility of leaning towards wisdom. And so have you ever had this happen where someone, uh, someone you know tries to, to pry into someone else's affair, like, like they poke their nose in uh, when they're not invited or when they don't have the relational e equity built up and they try to speak into people's lives? Uh, that's, that's hard. That's, uh, that can be foolish because of course I'm going to push back. If you weren't invited in or you don't have the, the, the relationship built up, you're going to feel persecution from that person. It's just, it's a natural response because you weren't invited into that. And I think Christians, we're especially susceptible to this type of behavior. We like to think that we know what is best for those around us. And we like to take scripture and just throw it at people uh, because we think it's the right thing to do instead of uh, pointing these people towards Jesus. We just try to inject our own thoughts and opinions into it. And of course, we're going to be get pushed back for that because that's, we all would do that. And so we have to be wise with how we approach others. And that's why the same thing for this, the last one where I said Christian fellowship is so important. I think the same thing can be said here. We have to walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we have to point them towards Jesus and not just uh, push our opinions and our thoughts on them. Uh, because fellowship has to be built and that trust has to be established over time. Okay, so this verse also does not mean blessed are those who are persecuted because they're fanatics or crazy Christians. This is referring to people that take religion to ridiculous levels. And I hope you heard me there. I, I said religion and not faith because that's a, an important distinction because if you act like a so-called crazy Christian, people are going to push back in this world. 
because it's, uh, what? yeah, they're going to push back. You're going to feel persecution because of it. And there's so many issues wrong with this. There's so many things that can ca- go wrong with this type of behavior. It can be hurtful, annoying, and uh, unhelpful when it is directed at non-believers. It can be off-putting and confusing to people who are pretty new or like new in their faith. It can also undermine true ministry because it gets lumped into the same boat. When you're trying to have uh, true ministry happening, it's going to get lumped into the same boat as being crazy Christians. And that can be hard. But worst of all, it does not provide a true representation of God. And so hear me on this. I want everyone to be excited about God. I want you to be on fire for the Lord. I want the Holy Spirit to, to just be uh, on fire in your heart. And I want the love of God to be transforming. Like, I want that for each and every one of you. But there's a difference between uncontrollable love for God and selfish zeal. Zeal basically just means that uh, having a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of an object or cause. And that by itself is not bad, but when you make it selfish, when you make it all about you and it's not directed anywhere towards God at all, and it's not done in a healthy way, that's just wrong. It's not, it's, it's, it's not the right way of doing it. And so we just have to be very careful about that. And so when Jesus gathered his disciples and was preparing to send them out to share the gospel, uh, he gave them this direction in Matthew 10, verses 16. See, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to be wise with our actions and how we uh, treat others and how it has to be done with love and respect. We have to be smart about it, but it also has to be done with uh, compassion and respect. Okay, this verse also does not mean, blessed are those persecuted for a cause. Okay, this is a very delicate point, and, I'm trying, and I, and I want to make sure that I'm saying this properly for you guys. But sometimes we get caught up in the things we find important. Uh, we have these causes on our hearts, and they're not necessarily bad, uh, but I think we have to be aware of them. because. Uh, so here are some things that maybe we're passionate about. It could be politics. It could be saving the planet. It could be something about race. There are all types of things that, that, uh, we can, that causes that we can be passionate about. And no matter what the cause might be, it's important to know where the persecution is coming from because all these causes on their own can, can provide persecution towards you. If you support any of these, you might get pushback. You might be persecuted. But it's important to know whether or not it's the cause that created that persecution or if it was because of righteousness that created that persecution. And so Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones, he summed it up pretty well. There's a difference between being persecuted for righteousness sake and being persecuted for a cause. It is easy for these two ideas to feel like the same thing. Many of the great martyrs and confessors were suffering for righteousness sake and for a cause at the same time. But that doesn't mean the two are always identical. And so let's be clear, this is mean in no way diminishing uh, the causes that you're fighting for. Um, I, I, don't want to, I don't want you to think that. I don't want you to feel like that's what I'm doing. But I'm just hoping that this conversation will give you a chance to step back and think, where's the persecution coming from? Is it the cause that's doing it? Or is it because I'm living righteousness out? Like it, and I think that's an important distinction that we have to be very clear about. And so here's a relevant but challenging example of this. Uh, there's been a lot of division within politics in regards to Christianity over the last, re- recently and over the last, you know, 
15, 20 years. And so some of them are whether the government has the right to close down churches during a pandemic, how the government defines marriage, what laws should or shouldn't say about abortion, what the government's role in sexual preference and gender identity should be. These are all causes where people choose different sides. And those opposing positions often leads to high levels of persecution, very real persecution. And I understand that you can feel, no matter which side you're on, you can feel like your position is best, that it's the right thing to do. And it very well may be. It very well could be that. But my point is this. Political persecution does not mean the same thing as being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Again, I need to be clear that this is not me pushing back against your cause or your stance. This is not me trying to take a political stand. But this is me challenging you to dive deep into your understanding of what persecution looks like. I want you to be able to understand where persecution is coming from and being able to identify it. Your cause very well could line up with the righteousness of God, but it also, it may not. And so it's important to understand that, where this is coming from, and seeing if it lines up with what persecution is used in, or how it's defined within this beatitude. Okay, so if tensions aren't high enough, I got one more for us. This verse also does not mean, blessed are those who are persecuted for wrongdoing. And this might seem like a strange one, but I think human nature kind of dictates that this has to be, or that this is necessary, that we have to talk about it. Because humans, we try to justify our bad acts by claiming loudly for unjust persecution or prejudice. And so I, I, I think back of when we were kids, okay? And so I'm going to tell a story about between me and my sister. And it may not be a real story, but I know it's happened on many occasions where uh, we've gotten in trouble. My sister and I have gotten in trouble, and... Uh, my mom is going to get on to us. Uh, she's going to hold us. She's going to get us in trouble for the things that we were doing. And I know this, is, this, is, this was my natural reaction sometimes. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. She's lying and blaming it on me. Oh, it was my sister who did it, but since she's your favorite, I know you're going to side with her. And here's the thing. I probably did the thing that she said I did. I probably, I probably deserve to be in trouble. But my natural response was to push blame. My natural response was to rationalize what I did. It was to deflect. It was to claim prejudice that my mom liked my sister better. But that's not what, that's not what this verse is about. That's not what persecution is talking about in this beatitude. And I think it's very important because if you do something wrong, you might be persecuted for it. But that doesn't mean that it's the persecution because of righteousness. It doesn't mean that there's a blessing attached to it because you did something wrong. So I just think it's important to know that. Uh, so anyway, uh, I know this was tedious. I know this part was, you're probably thankful that we're done with this, what it's not, and you're ready to move on to what persecution actually is. But I think it's important to understand that. And so here's our quick recap. A person is not being persecuted because they're argumentative, a jerk, unwise, or foolish, fanatical or a crazy Christian uh, because they have a cause or because they've done something wrong. That is not what we're talking about in this beatitude. So here's what we are talking about. So this is what it means to be persecuted because of righteousness. Christ was speaking of the persecution of those who are abused for the sake of his righteousness, persecuted for being like him, so throw out all my description of what persecution is not because it's this simple. It's referring to people who are persecuted for living Christ-like. 
When the Apostle Paul charges Timothy, he says it like this. In 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so this leads to a more defined question of why does following Christ lead to persecution? Christ is righteousness, or Christ is righteous, and righteousness always exposes evil. The very nature of Christ will push against the norms of this world. It was very clear in the Gospels in regard to the Pharisees. The king, this, this kingdom of heaven that uh, Jesus is describing pushed against the establishment. It pushed against the established norms of the earthly kingdom. And so John 15, verses 18 through 19. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you do not belong of this world, because I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And when this verse uses the term hate, it implies something so much more. This is, when it talks about hate here, it's talking about the wanting to kill Jesus level of hate. And there's a lot of it. And I think that's important because I think it's an important reminder today that following Jesus does not mean you're going to be liked. And I, I think we forget that. I think if we, people think that if you're, if you're following Jesus, it means people are going to like you. And that's just not what scripture shows. People are not always going to agree with you. They're not always going to welcome your Christ-like lifestyle. In fact, what it shows is that they're going to hate you for it. A hate that is on the level of Jesus dying. And that's crazy to think about. But this verse continues in John 15, verses 21 through 23. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. In this passage, Jesus is addressing uh, the believing community, the followers of Christ, and their relationship to the outside world. And so this is a picture of what uh, the followers of Christ, uh, what their relationship should look like with the world. And it should be one that is based on love and based on compassion for one another. But what it's showing is, is that it's actually one that's based on persecution, based on hate. And so do we truly know what it's like to be persecuted because of righteousness sake? To become him, we have to be the light. The light always fights against the darkness. The light exposes darkness and therefore darkness hates the light. But just by, but by just being like Christ, persecution becomes inevitable. And here's the thing, we're not, we're not supposed to call persecution on ourselves. It's not something that you have to desire. I'm not asking you to be um, a martyr for God in this situation. We're not to be foolish or unwise, uh, but we just have to understand. Uh, in Philippians 1 verses 29, For he has graciously granted for you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but suffering for him as well. And so here's the thing. If you try to be like Jesus, and so I, I need to be very clear on this one. So I'm going to start over because this is a, it's a very fine statement that I need, you to, I need you to think about. If you try to be like Jesus, the world will praise you for it. But if you become Christ-like, it will hate and resent you because of it. Being like Jesus is something most of us can all get behind. We can get behind this idea that... Uh, 
to love everybody, to love our neighbors. Being like Jesus is very much what people, I think most people will want. But the truth behind actually becoming Christ-like will lead to hatred, resentment, and persecution. So, who actually persecutes the righteous? As mentioned previously, uh, the world for sure, the world is going to persecute uh, people who follow Christ, people who are Christ-like. But here's what I want you to also understand, is that a lot of it can come from the church as well. We saw this with the, the Pharisees. They are a perfect example of this. They loved God, but killed Jesus. Formal Christianity is often the greatest enemy of pure faith. So I had a friend who, uh, she, she was going through some political stuff with her church. She was going through some conflict uh, with her church, and she was having a really tough week. She was having a hard, hard faith week where, I'm not saying she was giving up on her faith, but it was very hard for her. And one of the things she told me just broke my heart. She said it was her non-church friends that seemed to come and support her during this time. That's such a sad reality that sometimes the church can be the problem. That sometimes uh, we, don't, we don't hold up that, that, that end of fellowship. And I think it's just important to remember that. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to push blame on, on any churches. I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed of it. But I just want you to know that it comes from the world around us, but it also can come from the church itself. So, why are we persecuted? Well, being uh, good and noble, that's familiar. It's acceptable. But being righteous... That's something different, and that's hard to obtain. And it's hard for humanity to accept the truth associated with righteousness. Um, so just like the Pharisees, when they uh, struggled to accept the truth of Jesus, uh, it's hard for people in this world to understand that as well. It's hard for us to, when we can't live up to that, that idea of righteousness, it causes us to push back. But we're supposed to remain strong in this. We're not supposed to let this get us down. Because in 1 Peter 3, 14, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. The persecution of Jesus mirrors the persecution we all face. Jesus being himself was always going to get him killed. And the Beatitudes are showing us what this means. It's showing us that... Uh, that we are, we are led in that same path. And so if you're poor in spirit, if you ache over uh, sin, if you show humility, if you point others to God, if you show mercy, if you see value in others, if you make peace, it will lead to the same persecution that Jesus suffered. Jesus brings this out in everyone, that need to kill him. When we fall short, when the world can't live up, uh, can't live up to that, it's hard for them to accept. It's hard for us to accept. And this makes the world hate God. Romans 8, 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Okay, so that's a lot of bummer, right? That, maybe that's, a, that, that's a, heavy, a heavy portion of uh, stuff for us to kind of work through. But now we get to turn to the happiness, the blessing associated with this verse. And I said at the beginning that this beatitude directly connects to verses 11 and 12. And here's where we're going to kind of talk about that and how, show how it kind of expands on verse 10. And it seems to be directed towards his disciples more specifically. And he shows how there's happiness found in persecution. So here's Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were sent before you. And I love that this says, uh, because of me. It's not of our own foolishness. It's not of uh, us doing good. It's not of us, uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with our own selfishness, our own desires. It's because of him. It's because of Jesus. The, uh, and that's why this is, uh, it has to be this way. Like persecution has to be a part of it. And the prophets experienced the same type of trouble. They brought the will of God and were met with hostility. The disciples and the church fathers, they all experienced very similar fates. And this extends to us today. Persecution is going to happen. But this is not bad news. Jesus said that those who are persecuted for being like him should be happy. And what is more, those who are like him will always be persecuted. So happiness is a part of this. And so persecution in this way proves that we are his. There should be some comfort found in this idea that we'll be treated like Christ. And don't get me wrong, it's going to be hard. This is a challenging and scary thought. But we are a part of something more. We are a part of the family of God. And it leads to this second realization. It proves that the Holy Spirit is at work within us, crafting and molding us into sinless image of Jesus. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 14. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Persecution should not surprise us. Jesus was very clear, scripture was quite clear, and Christian history seems to support this notion as well. If you live for Christ, there will be persecution and suffering. And so what does this mean for us today? Persecution might look different now versus the time that the Bible was written. The likeliness of being killed for your faith in America is very low. America seems to have become tolerant of modern or Western Christianity. In a lot of ways, it's accepted, but that should cause us major pause in our hearts. True Christianity is hard to find and has sunk to very low levels. But we all, we, we've also become very tolerant of the world around us. Sometimes it's hard to tell the life of a Christian apart from the life of the rest of the world. They become the same. Christian character and integrity is hard to find. And I, and I want you to think about your job, okay? So think about uh, whatever job you have. And if you don't work, think about just a different area of your life. But so think about the job that you have. Do we follow Christ's example in the workplace? Do we share the gospel? Do we make love-based decisions? Do we love our enemies? And I understand your first pushback is probably, well, I can't do those things because I'll get fired. Yeah, persecution will happen. And so here's the question. Are we prepared to follow Jesus no matter the consequences? If our jobs are on the line, if our family and livelihood is at stake, what if death is the consequence? Do we trust that God will provide no matter what? And so I'm not saying this will happen to you, and, I'm not, and I don't wish this upon anyone, and I know it's not that simple. I know it's not, uh, I understand that we, have, we love our families, we, 
We have to provide for them, and I understand all of this. I get it. I truly do. Uh, but what, what, what we're offered here is that we, we can choose a path on our own. We can choose a path away from God, but this beatitude is offering the promise to those who are willing to follow the path of Jesus. And that's the part I just want to make sure that we're perfectly clear on. And so here's the challenge I have. Why do we get so upset for being persecuted? Why do political decisions hit us so hard? Why are we so afraid to live Christ-like? Why are we shocked when Christianity is met with hate? It's because we've forgotten the Beatitudes. All the Beatitudes have led us to this place. If we practice and try to live out the Beatitudes, if we understand what it means, if we understand that this is membership into his kingdom, then persecution is inevitable. So my question is this. Are you feeling persecution because of righteousness? Do people know that you live your life for the God in heaven? Do your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, do they reflect a Christ-like nature? How does the light inside of you push back against the darkness? And these are some heavy questions. And I hope you take some time to look in the areas of your life and uh, to truly reflect on whether you're feeling persecuted. To ask, why are you being persecuted? And is it because of your desire to be like Christ? And so finally, I understand that there's probably also people here that maybe you don't see persecution in your life. You look around and you don't feel persecuted. And that's okay too. I don't want to, I'm not pushing shame on anyone, but I think author James Montgomery Boyce uh, offers a very revealing take on this concept. And I, it's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, and it was in regard to how the disciples would have viewed this beatitude, okay? And it says something like this. Even with the most tolerant country, the cross would never cease to be a symbol for derision and intense hostility. And they would have urged that the absence of persecution, as well as its presence, should drive a believer quickly to his knees. Are we ready for this type of realization? If you do not see true persecution in your lives, then we should rush to Jesus in submission. And if you do see persecution in your life, then you should rush to Jesus for support and guidance. So no matter what, whether there's persecution or there's not persecution, run to Jesus. Submit to Jesus fully. That's what this is all about. That's what we have to understand with this. God's showing us what his kingdom looks like. He's showing what it means to be a part of it. He's showing uh, what it means to be righteous. And are we willing to, to run to Jesus when we struggle? Are we willing to run to Jesus uh, no matter what the persecution is? Are we willing to submit ourselves in humility to King Jesus? Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we come together uh, and have fellowship with one another, that we can live out this idea of true uh, Christian community, true Christian fellowship. But Lord, persecution in this world is hard, and I, I just know as we go out into this week, we're going to start to see it all around us. Anytime you push back against a topic, it starts to become very real and very visible. And so, Lord, I want you to come, up, come upon this, this flock, come upon 
upon this congregation that we can be, that you will protect us as we go out into this world. And you'll uh, help us see the world through love and compassion and not through uh, being argumentative, uh, being hateful, being a jerk, whatever it might be, but instead we point others towards you, we reflect you into the world, and we understand that we are going to be persecuted because we want to, because we are like you, because we are Christ-like. And so, Lord, we ask you to come with us, we ask you to guide us, to lead us, and Lord, we submit everything to you, that all persecution we see or don't see, that we, we drop to our knees in submission to you. And so, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in the powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much and have an awesome week. God bless.